Our scripture reading, we first turn to a few verses in Deuteronomy 4, and then we'll read from Ephesians 5. But first, a few verses from Deuteronomy 4. Take note of how this chapter speaks, this section speaks about how God has taught us and it speaks to us about wisdom. And we read uh, verses 5 to 13. Deuteronomy 4, starting at verse 5. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons, and thy sons' sons, especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. And ye came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye heard the voice of the words, but ye saw no similitude, only ye heard a voice. And he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, even ten commandments, and he wrote them upon two tables of stone. And now we turn to Ephesians 5. And we'll read the, the first 21 verses. Ephesians 5, starting at verse 1. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love 
as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no harmonger nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it's a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And so far we... So far we read from the scriptures this evening, and the text that we consider is verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Dearly beloved, in our Lord Jesus Christ, we consider this morning that one who bears the image of God has a true knowledge of God. When God regenerates us, he, he gives us a new heart. We have the law of God in our heart. We know, we know God. Why? Do we have an exhortation to understand what the will of the Lord is? Why are we told, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is? We do recognize that we do know God. 
Yet it's also the case that we constantly need to grow in wisdom. We need to grow in understanding. And we look to God for that grace that we might grow. We also know that there are many that speak wrongly about what God's will is. And we need to be on guard. We talk about the will of God from the viewpoint of what God promises or from the viewpoint of, of his commandments. In both respects, there are those that would, you know, that would tell us wrongly concerning what God's will is. Some have wrong views about what does God promise? And they'll proclaim things that God promises that are not what Scripture says. And there are those that will tell us what we're supposed to do. And they'll tell us what we're not supposed to do. There are those that when we're doing what God calls us to do, there were those that will tell us we're doing wrong when we're doing what God has told us to do. They are really then saying, that's what you're doing is not the will of God. God tells you to do something different. And there are those that would point us in the wrong direction. God has taught us, he has told us what God's will is. He has given us that instruction. Christ has revealed to us the will of our God. We are to continue to seek to grow in understanding and we're to be on guard against the dangers. In the very context, it speaks of us walking circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We're to be cautious. We're to be on guard to make good use of our time. The days are evil. That was written so many years ago. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be not unwise but understanding. And we recognize as we get closer to the day that our Lord returns. We see how iniquity abounds. And there are many that would lead us astray. We must constantly be on, on our guard. And we recognize that our enemy is threefold. Not only are there human beings that may direct us the wrong way, but we have a threefold enemy. And we're to constantly look to God for grace, for wisdom, and to strive to glorify him in our life. So we look at this text, we look at this text tonight from the viewpoint of understanding what God's will is. We consider first of all the, the wise, secondly the unwise, and thirdly the, the exhortation. First of all, there are these different words that are used, wisdom and understanding. When we talk about someone having wisdom, we often bring up the word goal. That somebody who's wise understands what the goal is, the proper goal. And 
would be also one who would be striving for that goal. And we see how that applies to the also in practical matters when there is a problem. What should we do? And we often refer to somebody as having wisdom who knows what to do and can tell us what God says, apply principles of Scripture to guide us to see what we should do in the situation that we are in. And when we hear somebody tell us and point out to the scriptures and guide us to know what we are to do, we are thankful for, for the wisdom that, is, that we seek. Christ, of course, is the wisdom of God. We talked this morning about the fact that he's the image of God. He's the word, he's the wisdom, he's the image of God. And he is the one that teaches us wisdom. He is the wisdom of God, and he is the one who teaches us wisdom. The word understanding, the word translated understanding, be not unwise, but understanding. The word that's referred to there as understanding has the idea of putting things together that one in their mind is able to put things together and understands. We often say somebody that understands something has a grasp of that. And that involves the putting of things together. Applied to the study of the scriptures, we see how it is the case that God teaches us. We take teachings that God has given to us in the scriptures, and as we strive to understand and put together things that God has taught us, we grow in, in wisdom. We're to be understand, we are to be one that is understanding what the will of God is. We're not to be as those who are unwise. Now, with regard to the fact that we're to be to understand what God's will is, one may wonder, you know, from what point of view? From the viewpoint of his decree, understanding what God's decree is or what is God's secret will concerning our redemption, certainly we are to grow in our understanding of that. The things that God has revealed to us, I mean, he has not revealed to us the names of who is elect and who is reprobate, but he has told us about his counsel concerning our salvation. What's going to happen, for example, in the future? That there are certain things we can say. I mean, the deep, you know, we don't, there are details we don't know, but there are, there are things we can say about what's going to happen. God has told us. We also understand that the word, the phrase, the will of God is used from the viewpoint of his commandments. What are we to do? What's the will of God? And we use that phrase that way too. I won't, you know, wondering what the will of God is from the viewpoint of what, what should I do? What should I not do? 
and there are a number of passages that speak about the will of God. It has that idea, that there's a focus on the idea of the commandments that God has given. We just read a section in the book of Deuteronomy where God had given the instruction and then he said, you know, keep these and, and do them. Keep these and do them. Uh, for this is your wisdom and your understanding of the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes as to what we're to do. What we're to do in our own lives, what we're to do as a church. What is the work of the church? There are those that would speak wrongly about that. What is the work of the church? And we are to follow the instruction that God has given us. So we see references to the instruction that God has given to the church and told, keep and do them. This is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations. We sing this, we sing this way in the, in the Psalms about wisdom and what God has commanded. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding have all they that do his commandments. Good understanding have all they that do his commandments. And that's Psalm 111, verse 10, as, as it is translated in the, in the King James. And a number of passages, you know, there's other passages too that speak of the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom, that we're to fear him, we are to revere him, we're to depart from evil. What God tells us is evil. We are to depart from it. And when God tells us that there's something we should flee, then we are to flee from it. And of course, the examples are many. Well, one example is that concerning what God has called us to do he has called us to come out and to be separate he says to us that we are to come out and be separate and to touch not the unclean thing come out from among them and be ye separate and touch not the unclean thing now that is an example of something that God calls us to do. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. This is 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And then verse 17 Wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord 
Almighty. Now that's an example of what we were talking about this morning about the antithesis. That there is this separation of the church and the world. We are, to li- we are, even though we live in the midst of the world, and even though we may have many unbelievers in the vicinity of where we live, our neighbors and may work in the midst of, you know, those that do not believe, uh, whatever the situation may be, we know that from a, that we are called to remain separate. We're not to walk with them. We may work with them. We may live next to them. We're not to walk with them. We're to not have fellowship. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now that's an example of something that God has called us to do. Where there are those that would say, you know, you should have fellowship with them and strive to and get them to, to turn. Well, we are to witness to other people. So we do talk to them. We do bear witness to the truth. We are to do good to them and to treat them well. Yet we are to be separate from them, even as God has, has called us. It's an example of something that God has called us to do. So what, you know, what is the will of God? What would the Lord have us to do? Well, he would have us to come out from among them and be ye separate. He's called us to be faithful witnesses. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature so that it's not, like we mentioned, it doesn't mean that we aren't to witness. We are to witness. And we are to be a faithful witness in all sphere, in, in the home. In our labors in the home, we're to give in faithful instruction to our children. As we go out into the workplace, we're to be faithful witnesses and whatever uh, our calling may be outside of the home, as we travel about and we come into contact with people, we are throughout the day to be faithful witnesses in all, in all aspects of things, that, you know, of, of what we do. In our schools, and we, we acknowledge that. We say that certainly is the case. That is what God has, has called us to do. God has told us how he'll glorify his name in Jesus Christ. He's given us instruction concerning that. He's told us that Christ is the head of all of his people. So when people talk about the whole human race, we say, well, you know, Adam was the head of the, of the, of the human race. And then we talk about how Christ is, is the head of a people. And as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. And we are new creatures in Christ, and that Christ is our head. And that God is gathering an elect remnant from all the nations. It's not the case that his desire is that all human beings will be saved, but that he is going to gather a remnant from the nations. And so when people point to passages that talk about the different nations, 
Well, yes, we do. The scriptures do tell us that God is going to gather a people from the different nations. And already in the Old Testament times, there were some from other nations, some from out, out, outside of Israel, who did, by the grace of God, believe. And we know that. We know scripture teaches us that. And scripture also teaches that Christ rules the nations with a rod of iron and that he dashes them to pieces. And a fundamental point is that when you bring the word of God, which we are to do, we are faithfully to bear witness to the truth, that when we speak and tell people what God says, when that word is brought to unbelievers, they will go from bad to worse. It will not be the case that if we bring to people and show, tell people what God's word says, and then if we're faithful witnesses showing in our very life that we are submissive to the word of God, it's not the case that those of this world will see that and that they will, they will improve. We have such a great example of that and what, what happened when Jesus came and gave faithful instruction and walked as one who was sinless. And then, then what happened? And how very quickly there was the mounting hatred of him and a desire for him to be crucified and referring to him as an evildoer. And there's an example here. They how unbelieving man will turn things backwards. They'll turn, it, they'll turn it around. And they'll refer to Christ as the one doing evil. That you're the one that's doing what's wrong. God says that he will accomplish his purpose. He will gather his people from the nations. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Some people say, you know, we're not to just talk about going to heaven when we die. Well, we talk about going to heaven when we die, and rightly so, and the joy that when we think about the saints that have gone to heavenly glory, but we also talk about the fact that, yes, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And God's people will be freed from sin, and in body and soul we will serve God and glorify and praise him as his name, be with our Lord Jesus Christ. God tells us these things and then tells us now in this life we're to be faithfully keeping his commandments, looking to God for forgiveness, looking for him for strength to fight the battle and to prove from Scripture what we are to do. There are certain things that we know full well what we're to do. Certain things we know full well that we're not supposed to do. But for things that when we wonder, well, what in this situation do we do? That we're constantly to look to Scripture to see what Scripture tells us concerning what we're to do and what we're not to do. And those who are wise are those who are constantly looking to God to guide them and 
praying to God for grace to do that which God has called us to do. There's also the unwise. That word is often translated either fool or foolish, but here the translators translated it as unwise. There are many that are that are other unwise that rather than seeking what God's will is, there are many whose thoughts are really on their own will. Their thoughts is on what they desire and how they're going to accomplish their own goals. There are many that are drunken and that are sleeping. The context says, Awake thou that sleepest. And then we read in verse 8, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. There are many that are drunken. There are many that are, there are those that are, you know, you can be drunken in more than one sense. Scripture speaks about that. Uh, you read in Isaiah 29, verse 10. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. He says in the verse before that, they're drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. And then speaks of the judgment of God. The Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes. Think of those that are staggering about. And you think of what they're, what they're doing and what's happening to them. And yet they continue on in the wrong way. Sometimes it's very evident, very evident they're going in the wrong way. And yet they continue on in it. God speaks in the scriptures of those that are wise to do evil. This is in Jeremiah 4, verse 22. He speaks of how some are, they're wise to do evil, but to do good they have no knowledge. Wise to do evil. But to do good, they have no knowledge. We, of course, must be cautious that we're not led astray. Now, we understand, and it's good to make a distinction, it could be unbelievers that would lead us astray. And there's many that are unbelievers and what they would tell us about what we are to do and what they are, would tell us what we are not to do is wrong. It can also be that somebody who is a child of God might tell us wrongly what we're to do or what we're not to do. Or they may, teach, they may speak wrongly about what's going to happen in the future and about 
what God has taught us in Scripture about, about the future. And we recognize sometimes it can be uh, a child of God that is that what they're saying really is not true. And we are to be on guard. When we were to, we were to walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, we are to be on guard and we are to be cautious. We are to flee obvious sins. I mean, things such as in the context, looking at the context, drunkenness. Is that the will of God? Drinking to excess. Is that the will of God? Isn't it not very clear? That's that obvious. Everybody knows that. And now you think of someone who is just continuing to drink to excess week after week. Is that doing God's commandments when God has clearly told us that's not what we're to do? And then it can get worse if somebody's not only doing it but encouraging others to do it and perhaps even laughing about it and openly talking about planning. We know the Bible speaks of a, a proper use of wine. But it also speaks uh, of the excess. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess and the warning. So it speaks of a proper and a good use of it and it also speaks of, of the excess. With regard to the excess, it's very clear. That's obvious. You talk about what the will of God is, what we're to do or what are we not to do. We are not to do that. One uh, sin that specifically is mentioned with regard to the subject of the, uh, in this subject is fornication, abstaining from fornication. First Thessalonians 4, for this is the will of God. First Thessalonians 4, verse 3, this is is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That's what God says. That's obvious. Everybody knows that. And that's our whole life. We warn the young people, and we warn the young people here about fleeing fornication. You hear that the scriptures say that. Flee it. Flee fornication. God specifically says that to us. But it's our whole life. It's not just young people. There's young adults, adults of any age. We're to flee that. So when we talk about what the will of God is, well, that's very clear. The scripture makes that very evident. 
Or how about, you know, hating and dishonoring, making false accusations or judging rashly and unheard? These are obviously wrong. We're to promote our neighbor's honor as much as we are able. And we are honored to honor those in positions of authority. And there are some that will blatantly not do that. God has made very clear what the will of God is. He has told us that. He has told us in his word. This is what he has called us to do. This is what he has told us we are not to do. We also recognize that there's the danger of tolerating sins. And there are those that would, you know, things like divorce and remarriage. We often talk about how the danger of us moving in that direction. And even though you know, we know that it, our position is that if, there are, if two are divorced, well, first of all, we speak of a divorce for adultery, for fornication. Someone is in, impenitent, but we say that does not dissolve the marriage bond and that there cannot be a remarriage. Well, there are those that say that's not the will of God. The will of God is that in such cases there can be remarriage or at least that what they refer to as the innocent party can when somebody has been unfaithful well the other one can remarry and they'll say that's the will of God we're to be to be wise and to prove from scripture what the will of God is and we're not to be led astray concerning that. We're not to be tolerating sins also in our own family. And maybe there's something going on in our own family that we're aware of and God has told us that we're to discipline. And we are to carry out that discipline as God has, has told us. So there's those kind of there's those kind of dangers. There's wrong views about our calling in this world and what we're to be busy doing. Sometimes the way that the language that they'll use, one may respond by asking them what they mean by that. And there are those that will say, we're to work to restore this world to what God is, you know, to, to, what God had originally intended. They may speak about God's original intent. And then we're to be busy trying to restore this world.
And one question that one, first of all, with regard to the phrase God's original intent, God always accomplishes his purpose. It's important to maintain that. When thing, you know, the fall of man was something that God had determined. And God always accomplishes his purpose. He will save every person he has intended to save. There will be the day that there's a new heaven and a new earth. That day will come after Christ returns. But what are we to be trying to do? And when people say, well, we're to try to, uh, you know, take cultural activities, and if they talk about a Christianizing of the cultural activities, there's a danger that we take things that are the characteristic of this world and that we find a way to be able to bring these ideas into the, into the church. Or there's the danger that us, for us to start fellowshipping with the world with the thought that we're going to fellowship with the world and we're going to try to improve them. And that's, I made a reference to the passages that specifically tell us to come out and be separate. And touch not the unclean thing. And the idea that we are to bear witness to the truth, but it's not the case that societies are going to improve when you tell them what God's word is. And if you, they tell you things such as, you know, that we're to be striving to have a cleaner environment, well, fine. I mean, we, we would want clean air and clean water. That's, that's one thing just of itself. But for us to think that if you have cleaner air and cleaner water or things and taking care and, you know, concern for the, the environment uh, and plants and so on, that somehow the, the society that is somehow improving, when you look at it from the viewpoint of the unbelievers, the unbelievers are not improving. Though they may have better air to breathe or better water to drink, they're not, they're not improving. And so, yes, we do in all areas of life. We're to be faithful witnesses. That certainly is true. But it's also true that Christ rules the nations with a rod of iron and that unbelievers do go from bad to worse. Uh, another danger is setting our heart on earthly things. The very word about don't be, don't be unwise, that word is found in that, in Luke 12, verse 20, about the man that speaks about the, I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I store all my fruits and my goods, and I will say to my soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. 
Take thine ease, eat and drink and be merry. And God said unto him, Thou fool! That's the very word. Be not unwise. Thou fool! This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself. And that was the idea, that he was laying up treasure for himself. And is not rich toward God. Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord, what the will of the Lord is. That's an exhortation, which indicates to us that there is the danger. We read in Deuteronomy 4 about beware lest you forget. God gives you this instruction, beware lest lest ye forget. Uh, we're to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Teach thou us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. We're to be Filled with the Spirit. In the context, it says, don't be drunk with wine. It says, be filled with the Spirit. And then it talks about speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns. And you, you think of the contrast. You have somebody drunk with wine, and you think of how there's this certain, you know, people that are, that are drunk will do it to try to be, you know, they'll want to be happy and joyful, and sometimes there may even be singing. But you think of that kind of joy and singing, and in contrast, those that are filled with the Spirit and who have true joy and who sing, who sing the songs and who sing them in their heart, even when they're not speaking them outwardly, that they also meditate on the word. We delight to sing them outwardly and also to think on them, to praise our God. We're to be filled with the Spirit, listening to the Spirit's instruction, hearing what the Spirit says. He that hath ears to hear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, as we read repeatedly in the book of Revelation. The Spirit speaks to us. The Spirit of Christ brings to us the Word of God and speaks to us the principles of wisdom. And we're to seek wisdom. This is Solomon sought wisdom. And we're pray for that. And you children here know that. You children here know that when Solomon was at, when God said to Solomon, you know, ask what I shall give to you, that he sought wisdom. 
and then you apply that to yourself, for you and me to pray and ask for wisdom. And to ask for wisdom, desiring wisdom, and then knowing that the principles of wisdom are taught here, one who's desiring wisdom then goes here and meditates on this word and asks for the Spirit to guide to understand. And then we don't, and then when we go, when we go to the scriptures, we also, there's a benefit in making use of things like our confessions that summarize what the scriptures teach. You know, we talked today, this morning, about the image of God. And if somebody was to hear teaching about the image of God, that it didn't seem right. I wonder, well, what, well, you know, what is the idea of the image of God? And it can come, come to the thought, I want, our creeds do speak of that. And then they, maybe they look at Lord's Day 3. Does it speak of it in other places? Oh, maybe today with technology, oh, you could maybe do a search on the document for the word. And then find these different references and then looking at them and recognize how much one is learning. Putting together different aspects of the teaching concerning the image of God. And wrong ideas. Certain wrong ideas are specifically pointed out in our confessions and warned against. We don't hold to this. There are those that teach that, and we reject that. And it's specifically pointed out. And how one learns that way. And then also, there are, there are good works that are written explaining the scriptures. There are good articles that are written. Of course, we know that everyone that man, when he writes and explains, he's not infallible. He may be mistaken. And so we have to, as we look, we constantly have to search the scriptures ourselves. But we do make use of writings that explain the scriptures. We also learn as we talk to others about it. So a benefit of studying and then talking to a brothers and sisters about what we're studying and learning together. How beneficial it is, how good it is when children recognize that their mom and dad do that. They grow up seeing that. That their mom and dad talk about the work. And there's times when they say they don't know. And there's times that they go to find out. What does he do? What does dad do? What does mom do when she's wondering what a verse teaches? For a child to wonder, where does she go? What, what, where does she look? What does she look at? And to see what she does and to have her explain, this is what I'm, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm going here. That we're to seek to grow in wisdom. And there's times where we 
have difficulty knowing in specific situations what to do. There are times like that. And there's times that we work on something for a while and we're still trying to find out what's the best way to do something. There's, there's matters in the work of missions, for example, that we talk about them. As brothers and sisters, we talk about them and we're looking to God for wisdom to know what's, what's the best way to deal with this. We have this principle here, we have this principle here, we see this situation here. What, what's the best way? What's the, what's the way that Scripture tells us to go in this situation? We're to constantly look to God for wisdom. And make good use, make good use of the childhood years. The years when you're a child. Make good use of those years. Those years when you're instructed in the doctrines, make good use of that time. As a young adult, before you're married, to make good use of that time in your life. To search the scriptures. It's so easy to be wasting much time, to be doing something that's really not really that profitable. And to be spending a lot of time at it. Make good use of our time. In those child rearing years, when we're instructing the children, we talk, the, the Deuteronomy passage talked about don't forget them, instruct them. Teach them to your children and your children's children. The grandparent years, making good use of that time. To give instruction to the coming generation. Christ has taught us. We've been and are taught by Jesus the wisdom of God. May we keep going to our Lord. May we go to our God and ask him, teach us. And then strengthen us to do what God calls us to do. And not to do what he tells us not to do. May we encourage one another in that. We together pray to God. We together look to our Lord for forgiveness. And for the strength of his spirit. May we hear this word, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And may we look to God for grace, for wisdom, and may we in our life honor his name. Amen. Let us pray. O oh Lord, our God and our Father, we are thankful, O oh Lord, for thy grace. We are thankful for the work of the Spirit of Christ. Lord, forgive our sins and grant us grace to do what thou dost call us to do and to learn and to grow in wisdom and understanding as we live in these last days. Strengthen us, we pray, and bless and preserve all thy saints, and may thy name be magnified by us. 
by our children, and by our grandchildren, by all thy people. For Christ's sake, amen.